Good morning, and welcome to the Video Game Open Coffee Club Recap, where we go over the topics that we discussed in the past uh, in the past week's coffee clubs, <laughs> and also talk about the upcoming events. Um, I am Eric Brody, and this week uh, we have... Rebecca Easton. And I'm Michael Sewell. Cool. So let's go over what we did or what happened over the past week. Yeah, so D-Stop had their open mic night. Um, from what I hear, one of our members was very taken with uh, Steve Zapata's talk that he gave. <laughs> After that, Friday, besides the coffee clubs on Thursday, Friday was a storm. Oh, and don't forget, we had storm last week as yes, well. We and his game has released. It released on Thursday. It's on yeah. Steam. Really good battle. We posted it in the in the group page, so check it out there. Uh, what else? Um, Friday. I wasn't laughing, by the way, just because of my buddy Steve doing a talk. Like, was there a reason that he was excited about? Oh that? yeah, uh, there was. He was talking about some particle effects. It, from when I could take yeah, away, he's he was doing some of his shader magic. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what he was talking about, and he said that was the most interesting talk that he got to solve because he left early, so I didn't get the nice. chance to go. I wasn't feeling good that day. Uh, no, there were a few really good talks. There's a talk on do's and don'ts when signing with a publisher. Um, mm. That was actually some really good business advice. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Missed it, damn. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They, uh, I think the one thing that we did find is they signed up more people than normal because they were trying a whole new thing of, like, we're really going to do true micro talks. They're going to be, like, 10 to 15 minutes each. Okay. And they all went over. Um, and so a few <laughs> people, unfortunately, we couldn't get to. Uh, but we were able to get in more than normal. Um, okay. I think it was a good direction. So, okay, awesome. Yeah, it was a really great time. It sounds like D-Stop is really trying to change up their formula. And I really like what they're trying to do now. I really did. It's a lot more structured than they have been in the past. Oh, okay. It was my first time since Node has been hosting also. Um, mm. And it's a really great space. There's yeah. so much more room wonderful a little bit of a plug for them uh they have started up their patreon again mm. and now that we're at node it's actually even more important if you have a buck to give each month yeah because now we would be provide dsop will be providing the food themselves and so right now i think that a lot of people who had been there in the past and haven't been coming for a little while since the move were a little surprised that oh yeah the pizza was provided by somebody else, not by DSOP. And we'd love to be able to offer that again for people. So um, if you can just give a buck once a month to the DSOP uh, Patreon, I know that would go a long way for everybody there. Okay, well, uh, next time, let's talk about what they have on their Patreon page, because I know they have some swag oh, cool. and stuff that yeah. they give away. So like um, and shirts yeah, and we'll do a little bit of research and take a look at what DSOP has going on, too. Uh, Friday was Storm's show and play that he does uh, i didn't make it out <laughs> so i was so bad last week saturday was the igda party winter party yeah yeah we had the winter party on saturday yeah. and, uh, that went, went very well, well. yeah that's great uh i heard they had a lot of swag they were getting away that giving away then i got to see some of the pictures yeah the raffle was awesome there was uh i mean a lot of people really came through for us, and because uh, all of the raffles come entirely from the sponsors and people like that. So you did an awesome job at getting a lot of those. Um, so, <laughs> um, or at least going to pick them up. There are a ton of board games. Uh, I think the big one was Gloomhaven. There was yeah, actually yeah, one of those that was actually that. given out. Yeah, that was super awesome. But yeah, it seemed like it was a good time. Um, there was a good crowd, especially being Valentine's Day weekend. How um, did the Indie Alley go? It went really well. Yeah, yeah. You know, anytime that I poke my head out there, 
it seemed like there was a good crowd pretty much playing games pretty much constantly, which was actually really good. I know that, uh, you know, we were showing a game last year, and I, I don't know if a lot of people knew that it was out there. It was actually a little bit, like, kind of lower mm-hmm. attendance last year, um, it, or at least out in the Indie Alley. And this year, because we've done it before, people knew about it. And, yeah, anytime that I kind of looked out, it seems every single game was being played, which was really awesome. So Great. I was trying to find on meetups. I was paying attention, but I was trying to find out what was going to happen on meetup. Uh, one of the places to look, this is not a sponsor, but one of the places to look if you're trying to find anything that's happening out in the wilds of DFW is definitely check out meetup.com. That's where the coffee club posts a lot of their stuff. So that's what I was trying to find was uh, what Dallas Society of Play was going to have going on because I know they're doing a thing. What else happened? Oh, the coffee club got together on Sunday and watched Black Panther. We did. Yeah, we uh, we just put that together just real quick on Discord towards the end of last week. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was just kind of a quick pop-up meeting. And it was awesome. We went to Alamo Drafthouse. They actually had some, if you haven't seen it yet or you want to see it again, Alamo Drafthouse is actually doing a special menu specifically mm-hmm. for the movie. So that was kind of fun. We got David and Anwar as well, both showed up in some traditional African garb, which is really cool. Oh, I'm so sad I missed it. We do have a picture. Uh, Oh, okay. We get Ferris to share it on the the Facebook page. All right, I will hound him. We got a picture in front of the big poster. Okay. It was a good time. If you haven't seen it yet, definitely see it. It's, I think, one of the better Marvel origin stories. I agree. It's really, really good. It's not an origin story. No, it totally is. It's not an origin story. He was not Black Panther at the beginning of that movie. No, he was totally Black Panther at the beginning of that movie. Okay, for a week. <laughs> <laughs> it, t- it picks up okay, right... Okay, sorry, now we're getting into spoilers. It, okay, you know but what? it's the first five I'm, minutes of the movie. I'm not... We can for sure agree on, though, that soundtrack was one of the best movie soundtracks. <laughs> for sure. Thank really you, Kendrick. Good. For sure. It was a really good one. Okay, uh, so is that all that happened last week? Yes. Okay, so upcoming this week is... Tomorrow? Uh, Tomorrow is the Beer Coffee Club. Oh. Uh, down at Brain Dead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's that it's that time of the month again. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we just post that meeting too late sometimes. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's Tuesday. What is it at seven or seven thirty? We usually do it seven. Everybody usually gets there. Well, it starts at seven, but a lot of people roll in about seven thirty. Okay. Cool. Uh, at least one of the organizers will be there on that time. So that's uh, essentially the exact same as the coffee clubs, <laughs> just simply just with beer instead. Yeah. It's at uh, Brain Dead Brewing, our good friends down in Deep Ellum. And David wanted to make sure that we mentioned that they have their um, kind of Korean-inspired menu right now. They have, like, apparently a few special dishes that they only do seasonally. And, like, they apparently... he talks at a ton about their like Korean style wings that they have there. Okay. And this is going to be the last beer club before they change their menu, I think like next month. So, so if that is incentive to get out there, apparently there is some awesome food. I think the way that he was describing it was making me want to make sure to get down. Okay. There, so. We'll definitely have to get it up on meetup. Facebook group, and on our Discord. We keep forgetting to mention our Discord, by the way. Yeah, it's actually pretty active. Yeah, Yeah, we're having more more people talk. For those of you that don't know, we do have a Discord. It's where we post a lot of the news articles we've been reading throughout the week. I sometimes post the notes from the the meetings on Thursday, or just a bunch of us get in there to chit-chat about what's going on. Another thing that's coming up, probably mentioned again, D-Stop has their show and play on the 28th. Yes. Yeah. 
So if you have a game you want to show, make sure you sign up for that because that's the only way you can actually show your games now. Now, they don't just take anybody that walks in. They will if they have time. If space, but as happened with the micro talks, there's, just, yeah. there's enough people who are interested in showing and doing stuff now. Mm -hmm. that, yeah. mm -hmm. So that's about wraps up what we had for this uh, last week and this upcoming couple weeks. So uh, let's get into the topics we went over during the Thursday and Friday club. I, I ran both of them. First thing to note is that we started a hype train for Kingdom Hearts 3. There's That's been going for like eight years. <laughs> well, but Started didn't the official thing? trailer come out like last yes, weekend? Yes, the official yeah. trailer came out as well as both the Japanese and the English version of the theme song done by the exact same singer. Don't know how to pronounce her name. What do they have to do? Yuda, oh, yeah. Yuda ha Hakita? Hakira? I want to say is her name. Well, is it the same person who did the yeah. uh, Utada? Utada? Okay, Utada. Utada. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's the same person that awesome. did, the, did the first two. That's cool that they're bringing her back. Yeah, uh, I'm still not sure it's a real game. I mean, they've shown <laughs> gameplay. My criteria for real game is they show gameplay and then they give me a release date. And we still ain't got no release yeah. date. It's so supposed to release this year. Oh, there's been <laughs> jokes running around the internet about Riku's key. It looks like a car oh, key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the car key. So that's great. And, uh, uh, they showed Monsters Inc. World in there. So they did. In Pixar World. Yeah, so Toy Story is going to be there. Monster Inc. is going to be there. I, I almost think... guarantee they're going to have a Star Wars world. Oh, but... Disney oh, Wars. Star Wars. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, think of the properties that they bought since the last Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, they did Pirates of the Caribbean in two. Yeah. And that was a, a live action series. Well, they have Marvel now. Like, they didn't have Marvel before. They didn't technically have Pixar before. Yeah, they have Marvel too. They okay. have Star Wars now. <laughs> yeah. So, like, Disney's taking over. I yeah. thought didn't they have ESPN? Is there going to be an ESPN world? <laughs> <laughs> FIFA world. Oh no! Please don't. Monday Night Football world. <laughs> didn't Pixar come out and say that they were actually involved in this one, and that what happens in Toy Story in the Toy Story world is canon? I don't know. I'm gonna have to look that up. I'm gonna have to look that up. Anwar shared the state of the industry from GDC's survey. They mm -hmm. release it prior to GDC, the Game Developer Conference. And there are a couple of interesting things that came out of that. PC and mobile games are still the most popular platforms to make, but PCs on the rise. Mobile is slipping. So that was something. I'm just running through the bullet points. Interest in making games for the Nintendo Switch is rising fast. I know that before Nintendo took a hard stance on any indie games and now they're kind of opening their platform a lot more your game is released on it is yeah <laughs> yeah no um yeah it, they they're standing by their word for sure you know and you can just you know a year ago they said that they were interested in working with indies mm -hmm. and that is very obviously the case with the amount that we're seeing i mean really just january itself the amount that we saw that hit the platform either through new titles like ours or mm -hmm. like Celeste, as well as, you know, a ton of ports that were brought over. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the ports are actually a really big part of, uh, I, I think actually a really good big indicator of that relationship because it's people returning to their projects that maybe otherwise wouldn't have been interested, you know, yeah. just to, and I think that not only shows the support that Nintendo's giving, but then also just how well the platform is doing that, there's obviously a market that people want to be a part of. Well, it so. shows because one in three devs think the Nintendo Switch is the most interesting console on the market. 
I would agree with that. And yeah. not even just yeah. as a dev. And I think that that's just the way that a lot of people feel about it. You know, it's, it's, we're finally at that point that if you're playing on a console, you're not really worrying, this is at least my perspective, you're not really worrying about having the most cutting edge technology. If you're gonna do that, mm -hmm. just do it on a PC. I and mean, the portability aspect is just way too awesome. Yeah, yeah, the portability is amazing, but Nintendo's platforms have never been about the technical power or the, the graphic power. Right. Uh, I mean, every generation of Nintendo consoles, it, the interest like kind of rolls in like a wave. Like you've had GameCube, then Wii, and then mm. Wii U, and then Switch, and you know, it's just kind of how it rolls. Yeah, and, and I think a part of it as well is th what, what's interesting about Switch though is that we're not receiving even when the Wii was at its height. Yeah, there was still a lot of kind of like cynicism regarding it on that like. It was doing the very thing that a lot of like kind of the the core gaming crowd made fun of it was what was helping it do so well. Yeah. Um, and it had a pretty low fidelity, especially compared to the other stuff around it. And that's just not coming around with Switch. Like there's just there's not really much that really even the most cynical people can come up with to argue against the Switch. I guess if you have a 4K TV, that's about <laughs> it, you know. Um, yeah. But even with that, like I'm perfectly happy. If I really, really want something in 4K, I'll play it on my PlayStation. Well, but most of the time, just the fact that I can pick it up and take it anywhere yeah. is just, just huge. Right. And I think we're at a, almost at a point in graphical fidelity where it doesn't necessarily matter as much yeah. anymore. We're, we're at a point where you can, you can take any style and the style is more yeah. important than, than the fidelity of, of the visuals. Like totally. How rich the textures are or, or the resolution. Or yeah. We're kind of at this awesome point now that like, I feel like I've been saying this for a few years, but like now we're really truly there where like you're not really necessarily choosing your aesthetics and style based on like what the hardware is capable of and more what you want for your game. And that's mm -hmm. really, really cool. Yeah. So. Okay. Fantastic. Uh, HTC Vive nearly remains the most popular VR platform to develop on among devs. I have no opinion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently VR was a huge topic in the survey. Faith in long-term stability of VR and AR business is slipping. But most people think that games like Pokemon Go is what's really going to put the mobile head on the AR front. I'm actually a little bit surprised that AR hasn't blown up yet. Like, I mean, I've actually been stoked about AR for years. Mm -hmm. And, like, I was... I played Ingress a little bit way back when. Uh, yeah, so Ingress was the game that uh, Niantic did before Pokemon Go. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's just, there's so much possibility with AR design in like creating really unique games that couldn't exist otherwise. And I'm just, especially with seeing the success of Pokemon Go, now of course you had like a major IP attached to it. I'm just really surprised that there hasn't been another one that's taken the world by storm in the same mm. way. I'm sure there are titles, like a, but... a really strong AR platform yet. There was the, the Microsoft HoloLens, but that never really made it to market, I don't think. I mean, I guess I would argue every single mobile phone yeah, is an AR, AR platform. Yeah, the phones has always been kind of... Eh. Yeah, but, like, I mean, but it works well enough that, like... And, and I guess that's, that's actually my point of why I'm surprised that it hasn't done it, is... Could there be something that does it better? Yeah, absolutely, of course. But the point of AR is just like, it is a game that you have with you all the time. You're always playing it. And there's a lot of really cool designs that can happen with that. I'm just surprised that nobody's tried to tap it, really. 
Well, we talked about this last week that um, mobile games are really starting to take off and be more popular in a lot of sense, especially amongst casual gamers. And from what I see here, most devs think mobile will be the, the dominant immersive reality tech in five years. I would agree with that. Yeah, I could see that just from the price point. Everybody's yeah. already got a phone. Yeah. You don't need to spend more for yeah, I mean, you, Yeah, I mean, the audience not worrying about how many, you know, hundreds of, you know, hundreds of millions of players. You're, there's 7 billion people who have a phone in the world. Mm -hmm. I think that literally there's a statistic that shows that there are more active cell phones in the world than actual people in the world. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to go into this joke. Nope. <laughs> so, so uh, nearly, oh, this was something that actually caught my attention. Really old insight. I know, really in old insight. Nearly 20% of respondents identify as women. And 17% of the survey respondents marked female and 80% marked male when asked. And that is, it's a small shift from last year with 78% of the survey respondents identifying as male and 20% identified as female. Mm -hmm. So you actually are, we, and we talked about it a couple, couple podcasts ago, we are seeing a turn where more women are entering the industry. Oh, there was a game, Civilization V had a had a trailer that came out recently and it actually was super five uh, the newest the newest civilization coming out they featured a it was full-on female everything in it hmm. it was really cool i was happy to see it most have most devs have been making games for roughly five years oh um this might be something you're interested in eric um most of the game industry is still self-funding and more usual. Oh, interest in crowdfunding remains low. Remains low or remains is going? Low. Remains low. Okay. The lackluster to crowdfunding platforms like Clickstarter and Fig seem to have faded among game devs. Sure. And I yeah. wonder if that's a lot of reason because of just like the controversy that comes out of a lot of Kickstarter things. I think that, I think that a few things happen with it. I think that on one hand, we have many, many more options now. You know, equity crowdfunding popped up, and that wasn't really a thing, like when we ran on Kickstarter a few years ago. I really, like when we ran in 2014, there were two options with Indiegogo and Kickstarter, and those had very specific, you had very specific reasons for why you chose one over the other, and there are very specific communities. And then, as happens, more and more sites came out, and so that community spread across a large swath of those. And so... I think that that's maybe a part of it. I, I feel like maybe just crowdfunding for games became very, very saturated as mm -hmm. well. And I think that because there were so many games that were being that were running through that way, not only just simply through the saturation, I think that there's also probably a lack of interest from interest from the audience as well. At one point in time, it was pretty easy to find really great games that you wanted to try to give money to and more and more games that were getting crowdfunded got a lot of press coverage and stuff like that especially ones that showed a lot of promise and that's started to fade itself as well i think that there's just a lack of interest in the market in crowdfunding as well at least that's kind of the feeling that i've gotten from it mm -hmm. and so i think that then that feeds into then the developer's opinion on it as well i mm -hmm. know that we're just not seeing the type of numbers going through on crowdfunding that we once did mm -hmm. so Okay. I think that if there was a way that, like, I, I think that it's kind of a chicken or the egg scenario. Mm -hmm. I think that if we saw a lot of interest in a really exciting crowdfunding platform again, then you would see devs go back to it as as a really 
major way to get interest, not only interest, but then of course like funding yeah. for your game. So. I think it's, it's also interesting that uh, we've had a lot of Kickstarter games where they, I think people are realizing that just because a game was Kickstartered and crowdfunded so that certain features that they really want to support are, are put into the games doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to end up being a good game. And we've seen that with some of the bigger titles like Mighty Number no. 9 mm. or like Ukulele wasn't as positively received as a lot of people were hoping for. There was a game called Ukulele? Oh, yeah. It was Whoa. by ex-Banjo-Kazooie people. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Am... <laughs> it, was, it was a huge deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the X Rare team. Yeah, that. Yeah. I mean, they essentially just made Banjo Kazooie again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but I mean, and we have seen, and so like, and I don't even necessarily know. I I think that for a long time, I think that what also happened is, both for devs and for the audience, we became smarter about how to approach crowdfunding and mm -hmm. like its purpose and like what type of numbers you actually needed to make games happen and stuff like that. Cause you know, the, I think that from the consumer side, there were a few games that didn't necessarily deliver either in quality or at all. And a part of that is because like they ran out of money. They didn't yeah, necessarily yeah. budget correctly. Yeah. The guys from Ron Gilbert, adventure game, you know, just master. He did a, he just had his game come out last year, Thimbleweed Park, and it was crowdfunded. And he actually did an awesome article on Gama Sutra that essentially broke down, here's how, here's what devs should know about their budget going into crowdfunding and coming out of crowdfunding. And uh, it, if you're ever interested in like kind of budgeting for your game, it's, it, it's a really awesome read. You know, and then I think on the other side as well, on the really big side, a lot of people don't realize that some of the games that go through on Kickstarter or, or like through crowdfunding for the really, really big titles, that is not all of the money that they need. Yeah. I was a backer yeah. for Shimnu 3, and we knew at the time there's no way that, I think they had like a $2 million budget or goal, and like we knew at the time, like, no, there's no way they're making this game for $2 million. Supposedly behind the scenes there was a deal with like Sony or something that yeah, like yeah. if they hit a certain amount then yeah the publishing deal is going to happen. Yeah, I think like it, it's it might be used by a lot of bigger business teams like Sony or or EA or one of those to uh, to identify consumer interest. Yes. And yeah. and use it that way and if it's if it reaches its goal then clearly there's enough consumer interest that we should back this a little further. Yeah, so I think that I think that a lot of things have happened with crowdfunding over the years, um, and that's that's another really big caveat of it is people recognizing that it is a really good either incubator for kind of smaller titles, or it's a really good kind of proof of interest uh, for the really big titles. And I think that it still definitely serves a place, but those first few years we were trying to figure it out as everybody was kind of making the mad scramble to do something on it. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe not necessarily that like interest is like really hugely dwindled. It's just kind of more regressing back to the means of where it should be. Oh, okay. I'm going to use this point to actually catapult us into another topic that we cover. One in 10 devs is working on a game that will monetize using Lootbox. And around that time, VentureBeat released an article that said Supercell, the makers of Clash of Clan, results for how much they made in profit last year came in. They made $810 million in profit and $2 billion in revenue without a new game. They've only released about four or five titles, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, between uh, Clash of Clans and Clash Royale and a couple of their, of their other properties, they are making bank with just the microtransactions. Yeah. 
yeah. So expect more microtransactions in games. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, they were. I would be interested to know because did they introduce the loot box system into their microtransaction? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I would be interested to know the change in profit that they were making or a change in revenue when they made that switch because they were doing crazy numbers already yes, daily yeah. with just traditional microtransactions. Well, they've been doing well. loot boxes since day one for a number of their titles. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, like uh, but, uh, Clash Royale especially was yeah. built around that system. But I know Clash of Clans, I think, predates that system. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and even at that, I'm not going to try to quote a number because I'm just going to be making it up. But I remember mm -hmm. hearing like what they made per day. It was like right after they got bought by uh, the big publisher that they got bought yeah, by. Yeah. The amount they were making daily just off traditional was more than most most of even the really big studios would ever make. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. I, I think part of it's the attitude around a, a game that starts free. Yeah. I mean, I'm a lot more willing to put in on a free game that I ended up liking than a game that I already paid. Yeah. Here, here's something that, came, that I found in the article. Panana... Founded the company in 2010 with about $6 million from Techies, the Finnish government funding agency. Supercell paid $140 million in taxes in Finland in 2017. They made a lot of money. <laughs> they made a lot of money. Uh, that's a good payoff for Finland, yeah. That's, what, that's how the article kind of ends there. Uh, Valve removes publisher's game from Steam for oh, yeah, yeah. for manipulating review scores. What was the Isel Games? I N S E L Games. Uh, they release the hack and slash MMO Wildbusters Heroes of Titan and it reviewed positively. And review it positively or else is what the article says. Apparently, the CEO posts sent an email to all of his employees saying, "Buy the game, put out a review." or come to me and tell me why you didn't buy the game to put out a review. <laughs> yeah, so Valve got wind of this, and Valve shut down everything that they do on uh, on Steam. So mm -hmm. any games of that that a developer put out are no longer available on Steam, mm -hmm. and Valve refuses to work with them again. Yeah, for padding their review score. The news broke on Reddit first, as Reddit always does, and it completely, completely trashed everything they'd work for. So uh, some of our members said that that was unrealistic for Valve to do because you can't go through and police every single title that comes out, and there's no telling how many titles have done this in the past. With sure, sure. And it, I'm sure it's been a widespread thing for a while for developers to go and review their own game on Steam, but it's one thing for a stray employee to do this, and it's a, an entire other thing for a CEO to mandate it from, its, from their employees. I think that's a, a bad attitude to go into your Steam release with. Like, if you're expecting to need to pad your reviews, then that itself is kind of a problem. I see. You've got to look over there, Eric. <laughs> well, I guess, that, I guess that my approach is, uh, what is... I have a lot of thoughts on this. <laughs> I can uh, tell. What is, I guess, I guess legally, what, mm -hmm. what is Steam's reason for doing that? I think it was more like a PR move. I don't think it was a, a whole-on legal thing. I think it was truly and honestly a PR move because they want to keep organic reviews. If There's a huge move in just everything, and we see this in marketing a lot. There's a huge move to make everything a lot more organic. And the fact that you're having people kind of pay to advertise or pay to win is the best way of going about it, best way of saying it, kind of loses a lot of trust of consumers. 
we saw this happen with YouTube stars or Let's Players who were playing games and didn't really say that they were being paid mm. to say good things. And when it got out, you saw like a massive just rush of people going, oh, you sold out, you sell out, that sort of stuff. Uh, for I can kind of understand why this was brought up during Friday's thing. I can understand why they were trying to pad the reviews. Mm -hmm. It's the whole SEO thing, right? The or, yeah, 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 the organic, the more organic, the more it's viewed, the more their algorithms go, hey, something amazing is happening here. We should put it on the front page. So I can understand why they tried it. Was it good? Is it a good idea? Uh, no. Well, I mean, obviously <laughs> not. Really. Yeah. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it is probably a PR move on Valve's part to do this. Because the the Steam reviews, they, they constantly come in waves as well. You know, anytime a huge crowd of fans of a game are very displeased with a recent update, they'll go and update the review and give it a bunch of thumbs down, and, mm. and it'll cause, you know, trending with the SEO that way. Mm. Or the opposite, where it's like, hey, great game, blah, 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 thumbs up. You know, it's just... The Steam reviews are very fluid as they are. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that's a, that's actually a very good point as well. Mm -hmm. And then we talked about... We, were, we talked about earlier with how game devs are turning to PC or because it's a little bit easier that can also come down to the fact that what kind of dev platform are they using we talked about unity having like a $30 subscription so that you could access a lot of their their asset store mm -hmm. and a lot of this comes down to the fact like how expensive it is to make games as an indie one of the things i didn't mention that was on there was more indies are, are relying on personal funding rather than crowdfunding or publishing and that that was kind of one of the reasons why we we're talking about that we talked about how unreal was another one that people should really look into yeah yeah and then we talked about how overwatch has their first female player and from what I told, yes, she the, was, the yeah, she was not excited about the fact that that's what everybody latched on to. <laughs> well, good for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it 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 is. Um, she got signed by Shanghai, I believe. Um, nice. Yeah, and she actually, she's there was a there's a little bit of a I don't even want to say controversy, but surrounding the fact that she was not included. Yeah, I mean the fact that like once all the rosters were uh, you know announced in like December that there wasn't a single female to begin with, and then especially not her. Um, she is one of the, she's one of the top players in Apex, and it was a surprise, and supposedly one of the teams had actually really been seriously talking to her, and then when they found out that she would have, that no other sign, uh, had, uh, no other team had signed a female player, they actually apparently had pulled out of the contract because they, or negotiations, because they didn't want the PR hoopla around I don't know. It, yes. they, they didn't handle it well either. So anyway, I'm very happy for her. Um, it's silly that there are not more. Mm -hmm. um, and part of their argument as well is they thought, well, she's going to feel like a fish out of water or something. It's like, no. Uh, it's just, that whole boy club yeah, ar exactly. argument. It's like, yes. well, we don't want her to feel uncomfortable because she's the only woman. It's like, that's silly. No. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm very, very happy that she's finally in. There should be more. There could possibly by the end of the season because signings happen all season. But yeah, that was really yeah. great. Well, I hope her uh, her getting that esports spot encourages more women to uh, to get to that position. Oh, so one of the biggest trends in indies is pixel, and <laughs> it's pixels. But one of our uh, pixel art? yeah pixel okay. art. Uh, one of our developers said that spine or skeletal animation is started sort of starting to take over and change things, Ch create a trend off of that. He. He cited Spine, After Effects, and Live 2D as being the go-to tools for those. 
know if you guys know what those are. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <clears throat> that kind of animation is uh, more like a, a puppeteer aspect. This has been around in like Toon Boom for, for many, many years. Flash has had, had ways to set this up. But basically, you design your characters in such a way that you can set joints and animate them as you would a, a 3D character. Mm, um, it's rigging. I, I'm an animator, so I'm familiar <laughs> with this stuff. So just for people listening, um, this is animations for a 2D Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's an evolution from pixel art, which is traditionally in 2D, to do yeah. more in 2D. So I kind of feel like calling it an evolution is the wrong way to go about it, because this has been around way before pixel mm-hmm. pixel art had you know returned to form, right? Yeah. I feel like it, it doesn't necessarily matter what you choose for your game, as long as you find a style that fits well with your game. Mm-hmm. If, if it's going to make more sense for you to do a a spine, bone, skeletal character like that for production reasons or, or whatever, then absolutely, by all means, you know, pick the style that best fits your game and the production needs that you've got. Okay, well, that was pretty much all we covered <laughs> during the <laughs> yeah. two days. Uh, if you are interested in joining in, I know I didn't cover everything, so but if you're interested in joining in, be sure to stop out uh, to any of our clubs. We meet on Thursday at 8 a.m. We're at the City Line Whole Foods every Thursday, and then Fridays we meet here at Nirvana at 8 a.m., and we definitely have to give a shout-out to Nirvana because they are allowing us to have this room and all this amazing equipment for free. Also, if you want if you want to stream, they have a rig here for you to do stream if you want to rig. Yes. If you have a stream, they have some setup here for that, too. Not to be confused with rigging with animation. That's, <laughs> that's where I thought you were going. No, I looked right at Michael. I was like, rigging and just... <laughs> Okay, so uh, let's close it out, guys. All right, Eric. Yeah, thank you so much for listening as always. Hope to see you at one of the coffee clubs this week. And the bar club. The bar club. And the bar club this week (laughs) as well. I am Eric Brody. You can hit me up at Twitter at Eric Brody. I'm Rebecca Easton. You can hit me up at My Dyslexic World. And My Dyslexic, or Dyslexic is spelled wrong, is D-E-S, not D-Y-S. And I'm Michael Sewell. You can hit me up at Twitter at Sewell Softworks. Awesome. All right, guys. Hope to see you at the next club. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.